You're listening to the First Baptist Church of Hazel Park audio podcast. We hope that this podcast is a helpful resource in your daily walk with Christ. Now, here's today's sermon. Um, So, thank you for being here. Uh, Last week, Pastor brought us to our last lesson in the Foundation Series, right? Uh, and, And he pointed out that we can have all the knowledge... We can have all the foundational knowledge of who Jesus is. We can have all the knowledge about who God is, what the Word of God is. Uh, We can believe that God is real. We can believe that he's true. But that doesn't make you a Christian, does it? Because even the devils believe and tremble. And what's so great is he he got to tell you the bad news last week, and I get to tell you the good news, but it's the gospel that offers the solution to that. Uh, And I believe, really, of the, the utmost importance that we are to clearly share what the gospel is with others. And this, this foundational series has been something we've been going through with the summer, and some of it is very basic, right? If you've been in church for a long time, you've heard this before. But listen, we need to hear it again. Um, we need to hear that, that consistent word of God when it comes to the gospel. And as we saw last week, we saw um, that you, there has to be bad news, right? You have to share the bad news. And if, if people don't understand the bad news, how will they accept the good news, right? Um, But here's the problem. The problem is that the gospel, through our culture, through so-called Christians, it gets polluted, doesn't it? It gets polluted. And um, I I invested in a larger pool this year in my house. A lot of you know that. Um, Now, with investing in that larger pool comes an investment in the chemicals to treat the pool. Realize that. And the time it takes to clean the pool, right? Um, So I found also that when I'm not consistent, when I'm not out there testing the water... I've got my little tester in there, and I, I feel like i got it going, and it's hitting all the right levels, and then all of a sudden it's still cloudy, and it's like, what is going on? So you take your water to the store, they tell you, here's what you need, and then you spend you know, another $70 and try to keep it treated. Um, but one thing I found out is that when I'm not consistent with that, when I'm not treating the water, when I'm not out there skimming it or vacuuming it, what happens? And you, you pool people know this, right? Not you cool people, you pool people. You know, you know this, right? It gets cloudy. It's hard to keep it clear. Um, it gets cloudy, uh, especially after you have a lot of people over to swim in it. It needs a consistent dose of treatment and cleaning, right? And I believe that this is exactly what this series kind of does for us as Christians. It, 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 it's the basic stuff, but it's a, it's a consistent dose. Um, and we need to be reminded of that, right? We need to be reminded on a consistent basis that, that we can... We, can, we need to live out the gospel, but we also need to be able to articulate it, all right, to those that need to hear it, and to be able to spot when people are trying to pollute it, all right? Um, last week, Pastor introduced us to the seven seas of history, all right? And we saw that it starts with creation. He explained how the bad news came into the world, right, um, beginning with corruption, catastrophe, and confusion, uh, he talked about what sin is, and we know that sin is simply missing the mark. It's missing the mark of God's moral law. And I know we know this, but this is, this is sometimes it's good to get back to the basics because we need to be able to, to share that with people, right? We know that we've all come short of the glory of God. And because of sin, sin bringeth forth death. And not just death physically, but death spiritually. Spiritual separation from God is what the bad news is. And Paul says in Ephesians that we were dead in our sins and trespasses when we walked according to the course of this world. So today, we get to come to the second part of the gospel. All right, And we're going to explain it with the three, seas, uh, three leftover seas from the seven. All right, So we're going to talk about Christ, 
the cross, and consummation. Christ, the cross, and consummation. So number one, we're going to look at Christ. All right. The word in the Greek is Christos, and that means anointed. Uh, I asked Brother Micah to pick out Jesus Messiah tonight because the word anointed, the word Messiah, is the same word as anointed. It's the same word as Christ. Um, but the funny thing about that is, is when, when, when you anoint something in the Old Testament, what would happen? They would pour out something over something else. All right? And that would be used for consecration, which means that you're declaring something. That's what that meant. Um, they would cover it, and now it was to be set apart for a specific purpose. That is the purpose of anointing. Okay? This would happen to, uh, also happen to a king. Though the word Christ is not mentioned in the Old Testament, uh, last week Pastor brought to us that we get a glimpse of that all the way back in the book of Genesis, of the Christ, of Jesus, of his coming. And when you look at the Old Testament in light of Jesus, in light of the gospel that we're going to talk about, it makes so much more sense. Um, so all the way back in the Garden of Eden, there was a promise that what? One day, Abraham's seed, uh, would God the Messiah would come through that, right? Um, David was promised to have the Messiah from his seed. The prophets told of his birthplace, his suffering, his death, and resurrection. And I think Pastor mentioned this before, but when we see the word Christ and we think of Jesus Christ, we always think of it almost like Jesus is his first name, Christ is his last name, but that's not real accurate. Um, it would be more accurate to say that Jesus is the Christ and or Jesus as Christ, all right? So he's the anointed one. He's the Messiah. He's the deliverer. He's the one that poured out himself for our corruption. Right? And how do we know that? Because he actually said it about himself in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. And I'm, I'm going to get excited because this is good news, guys. We need to understand that we have good news. In a world that um, is polluting the gospel, in a world that is going away from God, um, that news isn't good, but we've got the good news, and I'm getting excited about it. So Luke 4, verse 18 says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel. Now this is Jesus speaking in Luke. To preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Now, just as we learned um, on Sunday mornings, we were going through the Messiah series with Pastor when, when, when Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? Peter said, thou art the Christ, right? The son of the living God. Now what, God, what Jesus was actually doing there is he was trying to get him to understand, who do you say that I am? You know, we know what everyone else is saying. I want you to tell me what you believe. I want you to tell me who you think I am. And Peter was 100% accurate there saying he was the Christ. He was the anointed one. He is the Messiah. He's the one that would come to, to rescue us from our sins. And I know this is basic foundational stuff, but guys, when is the last time we've shared this with someone? And that's the goal I really want to look at tonight is I want to challenge you, and we're going to have a challenge at the end, is to think about when is the last time you shared the gospel? I'm not talking with your life. Now, that's important. But I mean articulate, shared the whole gospel, the bad news and the good news, because there's, 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 there's two parts to it, okay? Now, Jesus wasn't just a prophet. He wasn't just a good man that performed miracles for people. He wasn't just a good teacher. He is the Christ, and he is the only one eligible to take, our, to take the stand, the witness stand for us, right? So the bad news is we are guilty, but the good news is he is perfect. The good news is all about him. It's all about Jesus Christ. It's all about the anointed one. He is our foundation. He is the rock. 
on which we stand. So that's, that's Christ. That's the first C. Okay? Second C is the cross. All right, we often see this displayed on, on pendants or necklaces, or even today I saw it hanging from a rearview mirror of a car, almost as like a charm. People, um, a lot of people may not actually understand what the cross represents, um, but in biblical times you wouldn't hear or see anyone talking about the cross unless it was someone being put to death, right? right? Now once again, this is basic stuff, but it's important. The word cross is written 28 times in the New Testament, and it is the Greek word storos. All right? It's defined as a well-known instrument of most cruel and ignominious, which means deserving punishment. I looked at that word to say it right, and I said it. Ignominious. It means deserving punishment. All right? So it was borrowed by the Greeks and the Romans from the Phoenicians. And here's what the cross was. It was we know this, but it was for the cruelest, guiltiest criminals, and it meant execution. So do people know that? When they wear that cross on their neck, what are they wearing it for? A lot of people may wear it and they don't understand really the severity and what Jesus did. They think of it as, oh, it's a good luck charm, but they don't understand the bad news, right? They don't understand the entire gospel sometimes. And that's our job to tell them, right? It's our job to explain that to them. So, you'd have to be a pretty sick person to wear a symbol around your neck back then for a cross. It was an instrument of capital capital. Capital punishment. Strong's defines it as a stake or a post upright. So when with it came pain, with it came suffering, with it came a gruesome death, right? So many people know about the cross. But let me ask you this. Knowing about the cross, is that enough to be saved? Do they understand why it was needed? Paul talks about the message of the cross, and he talks about it. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I do have some other scripture we're going to go to, but 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. Look at that with me. He's going to talk about the message of the cross, the second C we're talking about tonight. So, I'll let you return in. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. You can, I think I have it up on the screen for you too. But I want you to see it there. Verse 18. I'm in 2 Corinthians. Help if I get the first one. There we go. Alright, so 1 Corinthians 1.18 says this. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. So without the cross, you're only speaking part of the gospel. Remember that. Without the cross, you're only speaking part of the gospel. And when you give only part of a truth, does it cease to be truth? There are no half-truths. So the message of the cross is this. The Son of God, Jesus Christ, would atone for the sins of the world. He would cover our sin with his blood. He would buy our pardon. You know what a pardon is? It's a remission of legal consequences. All right. So the legal consequences of our sin is what? As we learned last week, it's death. It's separation. Not just physical death, but spiritual death. Right? No one will escape it. Um, no one will escape unless they accept the preaching of the cross. You see the importance of the cross? See, his death paid for the price for sin, but it, had, it has to be applied. That's the big thing. It's, you can believe that he did all that, but if it's not applied to your account, then it's, it's not saving faith. Right? To be applied to your account, how is it applied? It's applied when we trust it, right? 
when we accept it, when that's when it gets applied to our account. And by the way, Jesus is the only substitute, right? He's the only possible substitute because of his sinless life. And we have to share that. So when we go and we go into this world and we talk to people that say, well, Jesus was just a good prophet. He was a good teacher. We can't, we can't agree to disagree on that because that's a different Jesus, right? Um, so Jesus, we know God poured out his wrath on his son for us. No one else could do this. No one else was able to raise from the grave. That's another thing that you can tell people. Like, he wasn't just a prophet. He has to be God. He would not have been able to come back. He died and then three days later came out of the grave. He defeated hell. We talk about this. He defeated hell. He defeated death. And he defeated the grave. And that's the message of the cross. All right? So that's the two C's we got. All right? We got the first C, which is Christ. The second C of the good news is the cross. Now, before we go into the third C, here's what I want to do. I want to do a group question. All right? And I want to ask you this. And this is where we can kind of... Let's be a little bit more informal. You guys can ask. I want you to answer some of this, all right? So what are some reasons people consider the preaching of the cross to be foolish? What are some reasons that people consider the preaching of the cross to be foolish? Someone give me an answer to that. The Bible was written by men. The Bible was written by men. Oh, yeah. That's a very common one. Yeah, Miss Peggy, if you can hear us, so when you're good, you don't need another person to die for you. Because they we think we're okay. We think we're good. Uh, we got it on our own. Peter. Okay. Okay, science. They say science discredits it. Yep, Kev. Believe he hasn't come back yet. We read a lot about that. Yeah. Absolutely. What else, guys? He didn't really die. He didn't really die. Those are some other things that you get. Peter, you got another one? He didn't really rise. He didn't really rise? Yep. Nope. I think what it what a lot of it comes down to. Yes, Miss Joyce? Some people just plain don't want anybody. That's right. They don't want anybody. Yeah. They don't see their need for it. And that's exactly what I was gonna say. Right? Because as humans, why? We're selfish, right? We, uh, it's, it's our flesh. We're prideful. We're self-absorbed. And GodQuestions.org puts it this way, and I thought it was really good. They said this. They said, They do not allow their hearts to be broken from having sinned against a good, holy, and loving God. They have not godly sorrow, driving them to seek forgiveness and restoration with God. Now, we know this, though, right? We know it's because we're sinful. We know, uh, but maybe, let me ask you this. Maybe some people aren't trusting. Maybe they're not trusting because we're not displaying it with our lives. Maybe we're not doing a good enough job. Now, we know there's going to be people that God has to draw them. But, guys, how many times do we have to hear the gospel to share it? Right? And that's my challenge to you today. You can articulate the gospel because you know what you were saved from. All right? How long do we have to sit through another service, another um, Sunday school, which is okay. It's good. It's important. It's consistent. We need it. But I think, and I talked to our class about this a couple weeks ago, like how many times is... God is just saying, you know my will. I told you to just get out and do it. Go do it, right? And sometimes we sit back and and here's the problem with that because people are not getting the whole story of the gospel. Now they're getting it here. But there's a lot of pollution to the gospel because the whole whole story is not being told. And what I mean by that is people will tell you, well, just ask Jesus into your heart and you're saved and you're good. Well, that's not the whole gospel, right? Or they walked an aisle or they made an emotional decision but they never repented of their sin. There was never a change in their life. Guys, that's a false gospel. That's another Jesus, and we're going to talk about that as we get going. Um, 
But let me ask you this. Are we stumbling blocks to people instead of leading people to the truth? Now, as Christians, we need, we need to stop thinking we're better than anyone else, and we need to love the Lord enough to love his creation. And that means telling them. That means articulating the gospel, the whole gospel, right? And guys, if, if we can't do that, um, if we can't love people, the Bible is very clear that we're of our father, the devil, right? We can't not love people and, not, and love God. It, it, it's, it, it's impossible, right? So, and why is that? Because God is love, right? Another reason people consider preaching the cross is foolishness is because they love their sin, right? And you guys all kind of gave testimony of that, right? They don't want to give it up. And once again, this is why we have to share the whole gospel. Go to Matthew chapter 16. I want to show you this. And I'm running out of time. I did not think that would happen. Matthew 16, 24 and 25. This is why we need to share the whole gospel, guys. Matthew 16, 24, 25. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Now this requires a radical change, right? It's a, it's a change of a person that puts their faith and trust in the message of the cross, right? It means to deny yourself of the sin and follow Jesus. That doesn't mean you won't sin. That doesn't mean you won't slip up. But it means you're denying the lifestyle of the sin that you were living. It, for someone that says they follow Jesus and they continue in that lifestyle, either they're not hearing the entire gospel or they're not following truly Christ because they're continuing to live in that lifestyle. Now, it may take a, t- a little time for that to happen, but there should be a change. And that's not my opinion. That's the Bible, right? Now, it means deny yourself a sin. Follow Jesus. Now, of course, once again, you can, there's times where we're going to slip up. But when we look at the message of the cross, here's what it's going to do. You look at the message of the cross, it will break you when you fail. It will break you when you're a follower of Jesus. It will hurt you because you know that that, that is what well, you know the price that Jesus paid on that cross for you and for me, right? The cross is a reminder to us. It's a reminder of the penalty that was paid for our redemption. All right, now we're getting to the third C and we're going to be done. All right? The third C, and I want you to go over to Revelation chapter 21. Revelation 21, turn over there with me. Very easy, last book of the Bible. Chapter 21, verses 1 through 8. This is where it gets exciting. I had it marked and I was turning to it. Revelation 21, let's read verses 1 through 8, okay? So the third and final C of the good news is this, is consummation. Consummation. Look at, uh, look at that with me, 1 through 8. Let's read it. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Verse 5. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am the Alpha 
and Omega, the beginning and the end, I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the whoremongers and the sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So this consummation is the, for the third sea of the good news of the gospel is that Jesus will return for his bride. And that is exciting. Because guess who his bride is? The church, right? Um, according to Jewish marriage, uh, there were two stages of the marriage process. The, the betrothal, or betrothal and, and the consummation. The betrothal is not exactly what we would call an engagement, um, though it's similar to it. But it, it was actually a binding agreement in which the woman is legally considered the wife of the man. All right? And it wasn't uncommon for this period to be up to a year. It would last up to a year. And it was during this time that the groom would normally prepare and construct a home for his bride. See, when the time came for the consummation, the groom would return. And here's what would happen. A lot of times the groom would come back with uh, a few men with them, and then they would announce that he was coming, and the bride wouldn't know when that return would be. All right? She, she was to be ready for him. All right? And then when he came, it would be with a shout. So Jesus, who has been separated from his bride, the church, for nearly 2,000 years, one day he will reunite. This is where the consummation takes part. This is the good news. John says that there will be a new Jerusalem, right? A new heaven, a new earth. There will be no more crying, no more death. Guys, we don't know when that will happen, but we're told to be ready. Just like the bride was to be ready for her bridegroom. She didn't know when he was coming back. Now, Matthew 25 uh, verses 1 through 13. Let's read that real quick and I'll be running out of time. Go back to Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. Let's read that. This is another picture of the consummation of the bride. Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. We're going to read it. We're not going to exposit it because we're going to keep going for time's sake. All right? But look at 25, verses 1 through 13. So Matthew 25, 1 through 13. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be enough for us and for you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went in with him to to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. So, like the five brides with their oil in their lamp, um, we're told to be ready. Okay? Mark 13, 32 and 33. Look up on the screen. Actually, it won't be up on the screen, but it says this. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, not, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Take ye heed, watch and pray, for ye know not when the time is. All right, so we need to be ready. That means we need to be on guard. And as a believer in Christ, we need to be reminded to stay devoted to the bridegroom. 
That's the purpose of it, of the story. Stay devoted to the bridegroom. Stay faithful to him. That's the picture of the church. 2 Corinthians 11, 2 and 3 says this, For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. And then verse 4 says this, For if he that cometh preaches, uh, preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit which ye have not received, or another gospel which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. You see, the consummation concludes the gospel. Nothing else has to take place till our Lord returns. So with this consummation, we have complete victory. Complete victory. No other religion, guys, can, can attempt to, to really portray that. Um, it's a hope Hope, work for salvation. That's what every other denomination, every other religion, other than Christianity and Christ following is. Um, Paul says what? It's another gospel. It's another Jesus. So when any, whenever you come across someone that says they, they, they follow this or that, where it's working for your salvation, that's another gospel. And we need to be reminded of that. We, we need to be able to talk about it. Uh, we need to be able to live it out. So here's my challenge for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop. Four minutes. When was the last time you shared the gospel? And I'm talking to myself, because there's many times and many opportunities I miss it. Let me follow, you up, follow that up with another question. Have you ever shared the gospel? Have you ever shared the gospel? Thank you for joining us today on the First Baptist Church of Hazel Park audio podcast. If you have questions or would like to know more about First Baptist Church, visit us online at fbchazelpark.com.